Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Nerd Talk, my guest is Minnesota foot nerd, Andy Cook. Andy and I talk about how it's never too late to focus on your health, and Andy shares some information about his mission to serve people who want to move more and improve their physical health, but don't find meaning in heading to the gym and doing the typical workout. Really enjoyed the conversation with Andy, and we hope you find the information useful in your own health practice. This episode of the show is brought to you by TFC's global health community called Beam Tribe. We feel that the pursuit of health is a team sport, and our mission with Beam Tribe was to create a global community that connects like-minded people who value making daily progress on their health journey. The platform is loaded with videos created by our Beam team, where we share our experience when it comes to things like overcoming injuries, creating a daily meditation practice, resolving things like back pain or knee pain, and even how to restore an arch in your foot if you've been told you have flat feet. If you head to beamtribe.com, you'll be able to see samples of the videos that we've created. And if you want full access, you can join a member and uh, join the community and become a member. This episode is also sponsored by TFC Shop, your one-stop online store for balance beams, natural footwear, and foot health accessories. If you check out tfc-shop.com, you'll be able to check out our growing selection of products that we offer that help you live a more natural lifestyle. Last but not least, this episode is sponsored by the Roasters Pack. If you're into coffee, this unique company has a great subscription service that delivers you fresh, bean, fresh beans to your door each month, along with the story behind each of the craft roasters that they come from. If you head to theroasterspack.com, use the code FOOT at checkout, you'll get seven bucks off your first month. That's it for sponsors. So let's dig into it. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Nerd Talk. My guest today is Andy Cook. Uh, Andy's a foot nerd and a TFC instructor from Minnesota. Andy, thanks for taking the time this morning and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Nick. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. We've, uh, we've actually, yeah, you're one of the first foot nerds. So we were just talking before how it's, it's odd that you haven't been on a Nerd Talk episode, but um, right. you also have some exciting stuff to talk about at some point today. So it's good timing. Right. I think so. I think so. Cool. So seeing as this is your first time on the audio project, why don't you start by telling the people a bit about yourself? You know, what, what gets you out of bed each morning, what you love, you know, what you're learning at the moment and just, yeah, share a bit about yourself so people can get an idea of who is Andy Cook. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. So I am a chiropractor in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I ran a clinic called Twin Cities Movement up until March of this year. Mm -hmm. um, when I closed it because of uh, kind of mass closures and gyms and other um, more optimal place or more uh, optional places with uh, mm -hmm. COVID-19 pandemic. Um, uh, my office was in a gym. I had a heavily movement based practice. So I, I did a lot of I did a lot of movement evaluation, gait evaluation and um, uh, basically help people move better in uh, kind of a fitness setting. Um, but I always found that um, I had more of a heart for people who don't regularly go to the gym or don't regularly get into a fitness setting. So I, I kind of found a place to, through the Foot Collective and through um, becoming a foot nerd, I was able to start to refine my message to um, a group of people that weren't necessarily always going to go to the gym because personally I don't even like to go to the gym that much. It's kind of boring. Like it's something that I appreciate as a human need, but it's not something that I like to spend my time with. So, yeah. And it's, it, I don't know, we've gotten into this weird funk where we think that to be fit, you have to go to the gym. 
Um, And in reality, that's actually ended up hurting more people than benefiting because people just assume I can do sweet nothing all day and not move at all. But then if I go to the gym, it's all good. That's that I'm fit. And that's everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Like an hour in the gym is, is fine to offset 10 hours of sitting. That math adds up. Um, But I think a lot of people are also struggling because the gym is not an actually, um, it doesn't align with how humans really are motivated to do things, right? Like go in a treadmill indoors without connecting with anyone in a building where you can't even see nature and do something monotonous that doesn't actually give your body a whole lot of movement nutrients. Obviously you're not going to enjoy that if anyone does like working out. And certainly there are people that do, but I would also love to have a conversation with those people who are obsessed with running on treadmills and Mm -hmm. say like, why are you doing this? Like, is it, do you know there's other options? Um, Yes. Have you tried? Have you, have you attempted you right know, lock in the woods that's what i always <laughs> right? like, exactly like, oh, I trend towards so <laughs> yeah and, and like you i i don't go to the gym right like my life is is my workout and if you live a lifestyle that's rich in movement uh guess what you don't really need to go to the gym um right. <laughs> and you you could just play and right. you know from the fact that there's axes hanging on the back wall it looks like you're in kind of a cabin it sounds like you're of that same mindset Yes, yes. This is this is my my kind of my office. It's a porch that's off the back of the or it's off the garage at my house. So yeah, it's a, I do carving and leather work and stuff in here, and then amazing outdoor gym as well. So I have I have a lot of space to play. I've been very intentional about it. I've uh, engineered challenge in my life as uh, as I like. Amazing. Yes, and that is so. I mean, people engineer convenience in their life at, at large. And to yeah. be someone who engineers challenge actually makes you way more resilient when actual challenges come up, like a time like right now. That's, um, the, goal. That's the goal. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's always funny when you, you know, you, you let someone like I, I have a freezer chest in my garage right now. It's filled with water and I jump in there and people are like, why would you do that? Right, right. And my response is always, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to you because I don't think you have a template for even understanding yeah you know like it's tricky but there always is a conversation right it's like i always ask them why do you think i do it and if they have no idea i'm like shit okay we're starting from scratch how do i approach this (laughs) yeah so so how did you initially come across tfc right because you were what class were you in for the footnote program the first one so what i don't know february 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 2019 Yeah, yeah um interesting and when you know how did you, if you remember it, how did you first come across TFC and sort of how long was the period of time between when you first came across it and when you decided to be a foot nerd? And I'd love to know what made you interested in becoming a foot nerd as well. What attracted you? Sure, sure. So um, I was first introduced to you from uh, the Movement Fix. The, I think it was the first time you were on the Movement Fix. Cool. Uh, but I listened to that episode and then followed you. Um, but But it was very I mean, it was very passive, but that's kind of how I do my social media anyways. It's, it's kind of a, kind of a, not really interacting, kind of passively engaging with uh, people I like to hear from or things mm-hmm. that I like to read and things like that. Um, and then- So it's a learning platform, basically, is yeah, the way. Exactly. I mean, you say passive in that you're not directly communicating, but guess what? Social media is a shit medium for communication anyway. So I, I think when, when, you, when you use it as a learning tool, it's very powerful. Sorry to interrupt. Right. Yes, that's okay. Um, so, so I was engaging with it that way, and then, um, and then basically, I saw the the first mentions of the foot nerd, and I, you know, I listened to a couple of podcasts, and so I started um, as you were rolling out the platform and everything, I started getting a little bit more <clears throat> uh, following, a little bit more, and, and definitely noticing a, like a strong alignment in 
the way that we approach human movement. Um, cool. So, so it was a very obvious thing. And then I, I really like to, um, I mean, I'm not necessarily like an early adopter, but at the same time, when I see an opportunity early on, I, I sometimes just go for it. And so in this cool. case, it was really one of those things where I was like, oh, this could be cool. And uh, like, yeah, whatever, dude, I'll contribute in some way. And then I'll, you know, benefit in some way too, and everything will be cool. So, and fortunately I was right, you know, like that's exactly what has happened since, but. um, Well, thank you for leaning in because it is, uh, you know, you say you're not an early adopter, but you were the earliest adopter on the partner program. And it was like, when I look back, hindsight's always 2020. And obviously if you're learning and growing and evolving, you're always going to look back and be like, wow, that was dog shit. And it was like, but it was the start, right? That was what you have to start at something not very good in order to have a foundation build on. And um, so, yeah. And then what were your initial impressions of it when you did join? You know, it was really cool as a, um, uh, a repository for information, like uh, Hmm. the stuff that you had used, the information you had used to put your workshop and your seminar together like that being there. And then um, the other information that you have just picked up along the way, it was really cool to have that because I also have a similar background of just picking up random bits of information and then utilizing them regularly in the clinic. So mm-hmm. you know, I get real time feedback of does this work? Does this mean anything to anyone or not? But I didn't, I didn't, wasn't putting it anywhere. So you mm-hmm. have this place already and for like a lot of it again was coincident it was information that that we, that we shared from shared continuing education basically mm-hmm. um I, it just uh it it became a really cool like i really liked looking at the the to our workshop as kind of like a framework to teach like um base level human movement they're like right. you know what you need to do if you want to do anything else right like so right it's, and it's, uh, in, it's interesting because, you know, I always talk about like, I, you, no one invents anything, right? The shit yeah. already exists. The, the, yes. And the, the sort of, you know, the initial impetus for like, why would we even do this? Why would we even um, create a program? And like you said, it was really just a repository of knowledge that it, in a way that I'm not going to teach something because I don't claim to know anything. I've just, I was like, okay, I have an understanding of feet and hips in a way that I'm not seeing consistently through the practitioners that I, that I kind of talk to. And I was like, well, if I just curate everything I learned from up until this point, then I don't have to teach people pretending to know everything. I just have to present all the research I've done, put it in a place where people can vet it and evaluate it for themselves. And Uh I think that, you know, as time goes on and you see the crazy world we live in, which is so hard to make sense of because there's Uh so much bullshit layered on top of the basic truths and confusion Collective sense making is actually, I think, more important now than ever before in that all the foot nerds can contribute and sort of go in and basically challenge the information or the, the you know, the let's call it the source code or we call it the sapien code. Mm-hmm. Everyone can challenge it. And that's actually like the immune system that makes sure that we're not becoming biased and we're not falling behind, right? Like the, it's open to challenge at all times. And I, um, yeah, I really, like I said, I'm thankful that you joined because if there's no one joining the program, there is no program. And, uh, and so, you know, you say we aligned a lot on our values with movement and, ha- and I know that, you know, from talking to other Kairos, for example, that that is not a significant portion of what you're taught in school. So how did you come to develop that sort of fundamental movement approach in your practice? And just as a side note, I think clinical experience is so underrated, 
right? The mm. fact that you can have rapid uh, testing where you literally are like, okay, I didn't know about this. I tried it. It worked. Now I'm going to try it with my patients. And you can see rapid fire patterns of what's mm. working. That's insanely yeah. powerful. People underestimate that, I think. It is. It is. It's, um, you know, it, it is one of the purported three legs of clinical approach, right? You have your evidence and then you have your art and then you have um, reason or, or logic, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's, Interesting. there's um, yeah, the, the way that I got into it was through uh, the hopelessness of chiropractic school. Like the, you, <laughs> we share I, a similar I, thread with physio. <laughs> so I was, I was in too deep by, by my third trimester, basically. So you, I, I went to this place and I was like, well, I've already spent this much money and yeah, I could have bailed but I still kind of wanted to do it. But at the same time, like you go and then you become a small business owner, but you don't learn how to be a small business owner. So it was really, really challenging right from the start. Mm -hmm. And then there was this one approach that it was basically like you are um, convincing people to sign on for care uh, for prevention. And that's like the only model that actually provides a livable wage, right? Or so this is, this is what it kind of looks like. Um, so then, sorry, I got the sun in my eyes. Here. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, so I fortunately found a group on Facebook called the uh, FTCA forward thinking chiropractic Alliance. And Ooh, nice. yeah, through that group, I learned about this whole other world of, um, it's basically uh, PTs and chiropractors and coaches and, you know, therapists and like, very, very, very integrated way of approaching movement with a similar language. And it's using the hmm. FMS and the SFMA. Um, that's where I, uh, I, so I guess like Gray Cook was my first introduction into the whole world of movement. And then it was a deep dive from there. So it was just like, interesting. Oh, exactly what I want to talk about. Exactly <laughs> Dude, approach things. the first time I heard Gray Cook talk, I was like, Oh shit, I don't know anything about movement. <laughs> but it was also like the discomfort was then quickly followed up by, wow, there's a lot of shit I can learn to make me really effective. And it was like, yes. and it's so funny how he has the ability to make things seem so fundamentally simple and, and really which they are, right? Like we've gone through this massively expensive time consuming education process of layering complexity and, and things we don't actually need to know to be effective, but are deemed um, things that we need to learn based on like decades old curriculums, which I think is bonkers. And insurance um, codes. <laughs> yeah. And well, see, I don't even have that part of it. I did a podcast with Moses Bernard and he was telling me about billing codes and I was like, Oh my good googly moogly. I didn't even know that existed, but that is a whole other bag of shit that like, just makes it complicated. It's like, how are you supposed to treat people if half your time is spent deciphering the code of billing um, it's so, it's so funky. So, so you got into movement. Gray cook was sort of your initial one. I share that sentiment, you know, him, Mike Boyle, Lee Burton, those guys, they just yeah. blew my mind. And I was like, it can be simple. And, yes. and so, you know, how did that implementation go? So you graduated from Cairo school. Mm-hmm. Um, how long after graduating, did you discover Gray cook in Cairo school or was it afterwards? Yeah, it was in Cairo school. Like I discovered Gray cook and Craig Liebenson and then, um, the movement fix and, and you were just, um, I don't think I heard you when I was in Cairo school, but I think Ryan was, I think the podcast had started or I, I had okay, cool. started hearing about him near the end of my Cairo school. Um, 
but so yeah, basically like I had my chiropractic school education and then I, and then I went to a lot of continuing education. And so then for the first like two years outside of school, like I followed this, um, uh, this is called the IS, it was called the ISCRS. So it's like the international clinical sp rehab specialist or something like that. So it's okay. uh, now called R2P. So it's Craig Liebenson's way of, again, curating groups of people that are like-minded in a way to um, provide continuing education that's not necessarily garbage, right? Because there's a lot right. of garbage continuing education there in that there's some not. So, um, so I kind of followed this curriculum arbitrarily, but it was a bunch of classes that I wanted to take. And so then it was SFMA one and two, and then DNS and all of these like ways of learning um, natural human movement or developmental human movement or, mm -hmm. um, or, or even um, um, like repeatable, right? So like the SFMA is really nice because it's just, you can just snap it out really quick and it's a common language and it's very right. useful, um, especially for feedback before and after one visit, right? So you can do a movement assessment, do a thing and then do a movement assessment. And then like we were talking about immediate feedback, mm -hmm. like that's immediate feedback that even the patient gets. Like they then know I did this thing and it made my movement better. Like that's, there's something that happens in the brain there too, that, that assists yeah. in the overall clinical picture. So well, I th human motivation is based on um, positive emotions. And when you see firsthand, even intra-session, that you are making an improvement, you are, you are better than you were 45 minutes ago, that does something to stimulate positive emotions to number one, build rapport with you that, oh shit, this person knows what they're doing because just, they just proved to me that they know what they're doing because I saw firsthand. But also it's like, okay, well, how, what do we do now? Like, what do I do at home? Like that is a significant buy-in mechanism, I really think. If right. I can give someone an aha moment and they can feel it in the clinic, I know that person is going to be much more engaged and motivated to do the stuff to maintain that at home yeah. versus like someone comes in and they're like, yeah, I think I feel better. I don't know. It's like, yeah. And, and they told uh, me to do this thing a few times. And right. <laughs> yeah. This is the classic. Oh, yeah, this is so good. What I always go to. <laughs> right. I wouldn't even give that to my grandma. It's like, why am I giving that? I remember giving that to like a college pitcher. I'm like, this doesn't yeah. feel right. This just doesn't, doesn't fit. Like this guy, this guy's throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs. I'm giving him like, eh. I was like, right. what? Doesn't make sense. No. So then you started to use that, right? Like you started to integrate it and did it yes. sort of fuel itself in terms of what you were seeing and how you were doing it. And yeah. Yeah. And it, and it became the whole approach and it became like the approach that I marketed. And so I, I, I kind of set myself aside by like set myself apart or whatever by being this movement based chiropractor, which is of course like impossible to actually tell to anybody who is not a uh, movement specialist already. Right. So like right. then, then um, you're, you're losing most of the general population at that point. Right. You're, you're getting, this is where um, I got into a gym because it was a lot of space and it was really appropriate. And then most of my patients were fitness patients because mm. one, I got big windows. They look in and see what's going on and wonder. And two, like I offer services at the gym and things like that. So, you know, it's easy enough to do that. Um, but, but again, like it, it became difficult to um, have that language in a way that somebody who um, 
doesn't care about the way that they do their lat pull, but they do care about, you know, how they feel when they're reorganizing their house, you know, like I was, right. <laughs> I was missing that. Um, and, and so it was, it, there was a level of dissatisfaction because I was not able to work with who I wanted to work with because I'm not a fitness person. Like I did not come into chiropractic as a fitness person. And, and so like there was this disconnect that started happening where like I'm speaking this language and uh, it's maybe like one level like off of, or like one plane maybe of, of attention off from this right. group of people who yes, know they need to be active, have been told they need to be active, but you know, maybe don't know where to start or, or what to do or, or are confused because there is. Cause the world is confusing as shit. It is. Um, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. So what, how do you, I'd love to hear your definition of what, um, like what you think of as the fitness archetype, you say like fitness person, like, what does that, what does that mean to you? Well, they go to the gym regularly to get their movement and okay. They, okay. they might also, um, do it for other reasons. Like they might, um, be a cyclist, um, or be, a climber or, you know, an athlete, an otherwise uh, more specialized movement, right? So there's, uh, but they are people that either get their health care or their preventative health care from going to the gym or they supplement. They think they're getting it by going to the gym. Right. Or yes, get there. <laughs> or they supplement it by, right. um, by going to the gym once or twice a week or whatever. So right. that's, and that's so you what want Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, you want to work with the people. And I love that you, I love that. You want to work with the people who aren't in the gym because they're the people who oftentimes are motivated to be able to literally garden without pain, yeah. but have no idea how to go about building resiliency mm -hmm. uh, and, and really only address something when they start to get a problem, right? Which is right. like this, this is sort of the crux of uh, the way I see how we've sort of gone down the path of a sick care system Yes. Because the only metric we use for the public to understand that something needs to be done is pain and, and yeah. let's call it sickness. And yes. so obviously you're only going to treat people once they're in pain, which is a significant lagging indicator, right? Like, okay, if you're good, you have good movement. Let's, let's call that like baby phase. Yes. And then you have this huge period of time that you develop shitty habits and you start to lose the capacity to move, but you're right. okay. Like you don't have pain. You might not have pain. Some people, more and more people are having pain. And then yes. you get to this point where it's like everything hurts, yes. right? Yes. Why didn't we work on things here? Like, yes. why didn't we talk about movement in high school? That's really the, the root question. But yes. it's this disconnect where you want to get people that are here instead of waiting until they're broken down and just like, you know, really upset that they can't do shit anymore. And yes. it's like, and I agree, that is such a broad group of people that is, yeah. I think, underserved or, or not served at all. Um, yeah, and most of them are not doing themselves any favor because there's oftentimes there's distraction that is a result of, you know, there's the, uh, of the overall um, pile of Western civilization, like leavings, like the shit is basically piled on everyone. And like, that's kind of the group of people that, um, uh, that I feel like, uh, <laughs> like I would be that person if I was not educated right. on that place. Right. Like right. I yep. thought education and so I am not but I very well could be and that's yeah you relate to them you relate to that group yes and 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 like you said before about you know 
not being, being that kind of person trying to work with a different kind of person, which is more the fitness archetype led to a disconnect. And so it sounds like you're just trying to, and in this project that you have coming up, which we'll talk about in a bit is sounds like it's, it's to work with that. It's to, it's to deliver value to that group of people. And I think that is a very, um, that's a very powerful thing. So we'll chat about that. But one of the things that I remember you saying, I think was when we went to, I was trying to remember when this was. I don't know if it was a call that we had or if it was when we were hanging out in Denver at OR when we had the, those workshops. Mm-hmm. You were the one who said this to me, and it was actually one of the significant um, things that went into my brain that made me realize we need to create a community of health professionals regardless of what you are. I don't care if you're a doctor, a chiro, a physio, a massage therapist, or a movement coach. Mm-hmm. We need to create a community of people who are health pros, who are health professionals. They are, they make their primary income and take their job seriously by helping others achieve improved health. You might be a doctor or you might be a personal trainer. Both of those are health professionals, in my opinion, if they have the right training. And one thing you said that stimulated sort of that path was, I don't want people to know what I am when they come to see me. I just want to be the person who helps them. And I was like, shit, that is extremely profound. And it's so true because the badge of Cairo or the badge of physio puts this preconceived notion that you can only manipulate people. You can only yes. help someone when they're injured. But the, the badge of, I need help with my health. I don't know what I'm doing with my health. I'm confused. I'm getting you know, all this misinformation and just a wealth of information that I don't know how to make sense of, right? Is it good? Is it bad? Should I be doing that? My doctor's telling me this. The internet's telling me this when I do my own research. I don't know what the heck's going on. I want to go see someone that I can believe has my best interests in mind and, and wants to give me back responsibility for taking care of my body. And really, I just love that you said that. And, and have you felt like that? Like, was that a mindset that you've held for a while? Because it was very profound for me when you said it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and I'll then say that it was Greg Rose that said it, that I'd heard it from. So okay, cool. Totally give credit to, to the person who said it. And inspired I love me. Greg Rose inspired me in the very same way that you described cool. right so it's definitely um that is something that from the beginning of my clinic that was that was the philosophy it was like i don't want somebody to come to twin cities movement and think they're going to get adjusted because i'm a chiropractor because right. um i i mean ideally i would work it to a place where i would not have to adjust them they could come into my office be advised on a few different movement tweaks and things like that and then go on their way to continue empowering themselves and doing the things that they need to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. But usually people, like you said, when, when they come to our office, um, they're already way, way over there and they've been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like they've been in pain or they've experienced pain. And generally like, because I'm a cash or I was a cash based clinician, like I was by no means the first place anyone went. And so they've also, experienced failures or limited success in other places like so they've already been on the journey they've already been doing this thing for a while but um still nothing you know still no idea still or or it's moved or changed or something has not moved them closer to what i would even consider like zero or baseline right so (laughs) right yeah that's a that's a great point like people get sick and tired of band-aids right they're like well and, and people, I think it, it, their intuition tells them that if something is recurring, then there's still a problem there, right? Yes. 
And, and I've heard this from patients several times, like that of, uh, same thing. Like uh, when I was treating, I haven't treated for, um, for a little bit now because TFC is sort of the, the full-time gig. But when I was treating, people would be like, yeah, I went and saw three physios and I saw them for several years. And I yeah. went in and did the same thing mm-hmm. and I felt a little bit better. And then it came back and it came back actually worse. So then I was like, well, that fixed physio didn't help me. So I went to a different one. And it's like this very weird thing that the standard is simply to help people feel a bit better temporarily. Right. And have a business model that revolves around getting them back for repeat visits. Right. And it's like the game theory of that system is obviously going to make everyone messed up because that's what the system relies on. It relies on repeat visits, not on improved health. And you know, that is the, that's really what needs to be adjusted, right? We can't make little small changes in how we treat. We have to basically rethink the whole game. And, you know, if you got compensated based on the value and the improvement in health that you achieved, Uh um, you know, you need one big thing there. You need a metric that globally people can look at and say, wow, Uh this person went from, like, say it's a, let's arbitrarily say it's zero to a hundred. Someone goes in to see you, they're a 40 based on this global health metric, right? Takes into account everything. Their, their sense of confidence uh, with food, how well they feel they're sleeping, what's their energy level. Like have 10 questions, get a metric out of 100. This person comes in, they're 40. And in two sessions, you get them to go from 40 to 80. You should be compensated for that. And the right. person that they go to at a 40 and they see them for 20 visits and they're now at 51, like yeah. that's an indicator, right? So imagine a doctor had a dashboard of like, a hundred people in the area that all had the best ratio of least amount of visits to most improvement of the global health metric. That's how you change the game theory of health. And that's how you reward people who are effective by paying them for how, how much good they do instead of how many times they see people. And until that changes, I don't know if we're really going to make strides. And, but I mean, that's, that's a mission that we have with our upcoming community next year of trying to just align all the health professionals that are want to do different, Mm -hmm. create a a platform where we can actually track how effective people are and then really just let the people decide, uh, you know, who to go to based on who's most effective. Like we need a rating system. Uber has a freaking rating system, but we don't have that for healthcare system. Like, come on, it's time. I mean, it's just, it goes to show, right. It's very clear who benefits from, from the current system. And, and so that's definitely something to, uh, to, to, recognize and it's i think becoming clearer to more people as well and right. getting a group of people who are very much uh, in the unconscious incompetence um vein of of self-care where they're they have absolutely no idea where to start they just know that something's wrong but right. then <laughs> so so i like that for like uh journeying journeying to the next phase of knowledge with these yes uh, group of professionals and even, you know, you talk about self-care and that really r- involves taking responsibility, right? Like taking responsibility for your health. But I heard uh, Gabor Mate break down the, uh, the word responsibility and it's oh. responsibility, the ability to respond. If people don't even have the information available to them and they're not being given that information by the, the, the supposed experts, they are, yeah. they are not in a position to take responsibility. And it's so unfair for a doctor to say, you need to lose weight, you're overweight, you're obese, and to mm-hmm. give someone no advice on how to actually do that is such bullshit. It's like, you aren't able to do this. You don't want to be over obese, but you are. Uh, you need to stop doing that. So yes. stop, because it's really bad for your health. Like, thanks for nothing, doc. Like, what the hell? We need a better standard. Yes. Um, 
Okay, rant over. So uh, <laughs> you got to rant once in a while. Yes, agreed. So I, I would love to talk about, um, you just recently launched a new project. So you had mentioned, give us a little bit of uh, context. So March happens, you know, stuff hits the fan, COVID hits, you close down Twin Cities. Uh, did you close down Twin Cities moving? Is that no longer a thing? Yes. Close that down and then give me sort of the Coles notes on from that point until right now leading up to the project you launched. So talk about, you know, how that transition went and then maybe give us a, a, an intro as to like, what is the project? Who's it for? And I'll just fire questions at you based on, cause I don't know much. I was going to do a bunch of research about it. And then I was like, you know what? It might be better just ask him about it and allow you to answer questions that I have as they come up, because then I think it'll answer a lot of questions that the public might have about it. So yeah, yeah March hits. What next? Okay. So first, can I ask, did you say Cole's notes? Just like at the beginning. <laughs> I did. I'm just used to saying that. It's like, but. No, that's cool. Like I, it's Cliff's notes is what we have. It's, okay. It's, yeah, the product I'm familiar with here. So. <laughs> yeah. I never actually use them, but I just, I mean, I use Cole's notes as a way to say the brief, right? Instead yeah, of no, like, definitely. but let's be honest, this is a podcast. It's informal. No need for Cliff notes. <laughs> Give us the full deal. Yes. So, um, Basically, I had started communicating with a strength coach in Minneapolis um, through networking with my clinic a few years before uh, a few years before my closure. And so we just met regularly. And um, he is like a, a really good educator. He's a really, really cool guy. I really liked um, the way that he taught. And so I was like, I kind of want this guy to coach my mom right? Like I want, I want my mom to learn how to move in a way that she can um, fulfill or feel more fulfilled in her life, even than she already does. Like she she's very active. She gardens, she hikes, she bikes, she does all of these things, but Good she still her. has pain regularly, right? So, so I would like to see what I could do about teaching um, awareness and movement to her with this person who is already an experienced strength coach. So that was like, and that was like over coffee, he and I were like, we should do a workshop for older adults, teaching them how to move better. Or even like we, I think we talked about it at the time, like we should do teaching like strength coaching to older adults. Cause right, you have these spaces that where, where people normally train strength and they're, um, they're really only welcoming to people who like to train strength and, right. and anyone right. else who's even remotely curious, but still very, very frightened. Uh, would never ever go there and would never ever benefit from that. And so even like my space, I offered strength training and I tried to make it as, um, um, as inviting uh, ableist or as, um, as I don't think as, as, as conscious to ability as I possibly could and open to ability as I possibly could. And even that it was still in a gym. And so it was still not that approachable. Right. Um, and then I started, you know, then there's like the YMCA or places where an older adult would traditionally work out. Um, and, and I don't feel like the input is enough. Like there's not heavy enough lifting or there's not enough focus on compound movements. There's a lot of isolation mm -hmm. and, and I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, yes, that works, but I feel like as far as. Does it work though? Goes, what does it work for to build bigger muscles? Like that's all it works for. Yeah, I feel. I suppose, so it, in that it is movement with other people usually like there okay. are other okay. needs that are typically met you know in this way so you know i don't knock it completely but i do feel like none of us have enough time now for whatever reason right who knows why none of us have enough time now but none of us have enough time 
And where's our time going? I want to yeah, find that where's, out. Where's it all going now that I'm sitting at home all day, every day? Right. I have no time. I have no time. <laughs> um, so, so somehow that happens. And, and it's certainly not enough time to, um, well, why would you want to do more at the gym? Because that's very boring and, and almost always very boring. Um, so I started like recognizing this need for, um, and, and it is being met regularly, right? There are a lot of trainers online there. I'm sure there are a lot of gyms that are focused on like older adults strength training that is actual strength training with barbells, with kettlebells, heavy lifting, focusing mm -hmm. on challenging, actually truly challenging the body to force adaptation and get people stronger. Um, so that exists, but it's few and far between. And so we started talking about this workshop to, to, to teach people um, like it became like we were like, what if we taught people how to teach older adults how to strength train? Like kind of like it became, it went all the way there through this conversation. But in the end, I was a clinic owner and distractible and uh, a parent and a husband. So I didn't have time to approach that two years ago. And it was kind of just sidelined. Then COVID happens. He had to close his gym and I had to close my clinic. And so we were like, well, I think now's as good a time as any to start a big online course because we can't do a workshop anymore. But right. like an online course, I think now is a really good time to uh, give people alternatives to Netflix, alternatives to, I mean, just another thing to do to enrich through this period of time when you're maybe a little bit more isolated, right? So yep. then we started putting together, um, we basically, you know, we boiled down human movement into the way that all other uh, professionals boil down human movement as far as hinging, squatting, uh, pushing, pulling, um, both vertical and horizontal, carrying, and then uh, kind of breath core stability type stuff, right? So um, we are providing very similar knowledge. And again, in a way that I've collected um, over, over my time as a trainer, over his time as a trainer. So we've collected this information and trying to put it in a um, an online course that is um, catering to as many different learning styles as possible, right? So w we have video and, and reading and audio and, um, uh, you know, small things that you can do every day to actually do the things that you learn in the course. So yeah. that's very important because I think yeah. people, it can be overwhelming and, you know, in terms of now being a great time for, for digital courses, you know, when, um, when the thing hit, um, our digital courses just started going wild because I think people, and it almost surprised me that people were so willing, uh, to learn about health, right? Like you'd think you, it shouldn't be surprising, but it was, and people were, you know, it, it seemed like people were focusing more on their health. They had, you know, some people at least had more time available to spend, um, on learning. Yep. <clears throat> and I think, yeah. And, and, and it also is like, you can't make the omelet back into eggs. Like there is going to be a shift in how people learn. And, and yeah. we know that technology is only, only going to get more and more pervasive and deeply ingrained in our lives. Right. And so, you know, this isn't going away. So I think online offerings are extremely powerful. And I think give you an opportunity to reach a significant audience of which some people will be interested in doing an in-person experience with you when, and you know, whenever that ends up happening again. Um, mm. But yeah, I think, and it also allows you to just 
basically perfect your delivery, right? It's different when you're not there in person, but the second best is have a video of you presenting and allow yourself to be critical of what you're recording and perfect it and be relentless and just improving it so that you deliver something extremely special, right? There's no circumstances or stresses of the day. You can engineer the perfect environment to film. You can make sure that the content has been really proofed and, and reviewed and, um, yeah. So, so you put this together and what, you know, what is the, I guess, method of delivery? Is it, is it someone sits down and they do the whole course? Is it something that they get access to and they trickle it into their lives? Um, what is the, what is the program? You know, you talked about how it covers all the major, I guess, archetypal human movements, carrying, yeah. hinge, squat. Um, mm-hmm. But who, who is your target audience? And if someone said, Andy, I'd love to do your course. Um, how do, how, what is the best way for me to consume what you're, what you've recorded and offered me? Sure. Sure. So, uh, the course is, I mean, it's still under construction. It's pretty big. So it's okay. definitely still under construction. And so the first module is the hinge module. I felt like that's probably the most significant place to start. I think that yep. that's like the hinge for, uh, I mean, reasons that I'm sure are clear to you. Like that's definitely something that most adults, especially older adults need at mm-hmm. least some primer on or at least some um, tweaking, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, um, you need to learn the hinge this way because the other way that you learned the hinge is the wrong way. It's just more enhancement of information basically. Yeah, And, and even like, do you know that a hinge is the thing, right? Like I've stopped calling the hinge a hinge. I just called, I'm going to show you how to, how to learn the back and knee protector because that's really the way I look at it. People are like, Oh shit. Yeah. My back and knees are messed up. Let's, I really want to learn that. And it's more tangible. And then you say, well, we also call it the hinge. And yes. <laughs> you shouldn't have forgotten how to do this, but we, right. we forget. And so let's reintroduce you to it. Yes. Yeah. So, so basically right now it's starting as, um, I've actually even, um, so your questions to me, um, when I asked you to be on this podcast, just like what, what's the offering? How does it, how is it differentiated and everything? Like I try to think about all of the needs that I could possibly meet with this course. Hmm. So of course there's, there's, there's the digital offering by itself. Um, and so that's kind of like what I would like to think of as the onboarding to a community of people who are um, working towards uh, self mastery, you know. So cool. you, I like you're that. interested in this idea that you can make yourself better, that you can take the responsibility to improve things. That yes, there's a lot to work to. There's a lot of work to do, but here is where you can start, and mm-hmm. then let's see where it takes you. Like that's that's what I would like it to be overall. Is a kind of group of people who are kind of dedicated to to bettering themselves. Like because I miss coaching. So that's something that I want to offer as well. Not necessarily maybe in a one-on-one way, but also like just, I want to be able to have that additional level of support. And then there's the community part of it. I I haven't figured out how I'm going to make it a community yet, but there's going to be Slack, Facebook. There's lots and lots of ways to have a community. So there's a community aspect of people who are making sure you know, keeping people accountable with the drills and giving people advice and things like that, because people like to teach other people. And that's the way to learn as well. And so then you have, so there's, um, you know, I'm inspired a lot by by James Clear, um, Atomic yep. Habits. Atomic Habits. Yep. Yeah. So, like very, very inspired by Small Wins Daily by, you know, doing, doing a five minute thing and adding it on to something else or doing a five minute thing 
um, and then rewarding yourself for it or something along those lines. And, you know, movement awareness can start five minutes every day or five minutes twice a day or five minutes three times a day. Um, in fact, that I think is one of the more effective ways. And so I'm teaching the whole thing through this vein of um, starting with awareness, right? So most people, again, like you said, don't know that the hip hinge is a thing. So how many different ways can I show people to um, discover what happens when they move their hip and then feel that in what different ways can they do it and how can they feel it in different ways? And then that becomes their drill. So I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily, I, I'm not assigning like now do 15 of these at the end of this video and then do 15 of these at the end of this video. Um, it's, it's a lot more about exploration and self-assessment and then providing options. Hmm. And currently the hinge is what I have for that. And, um, and, and then gradually like the squat will be coming out soon. The hinge is going to have more than enough. Like I'll be having follow along emails. So sending a challenge every week for people. So, you know, when they start, it's going to be the hinge challenge. So they'll get that once a week, there will be a new thing to focus on about the hinge. Maybe it's awareness, maybe it's improvement, maybe it's strengthening or, mm -hmm. or integration. Like those are the four ways that we're um, looking at shoring up each of these movements. So in the end, though, like the overall goal is for an older adult who wants to continue to do the things that bring them fulfillment, probably in retirement or in later years of life, who has probably not moved in the way that their body is designed to for a very, very long time and has a long, long way to go, I guess. Yep. Yeah, they have a. I mean, health is a journey that lasts a lifetime for everyone. But some people that's are starting. Very, that's very true. Some, that's very true. some um, people are just starting lower. <laughs> they have yeah, kind of like they're behind the starting line. There's a baseline, and they're there. And and like I was tired of working with people up here, so I want to bring people up to here so that they can get fulfillment and enrichment from the things that they would rather do. Like, right. uh, I don't know. Everybody says picking up your grandkids is a motivation for, for grandparents. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a very common one that, that those of us in the digital marketing world definitely. Underestimate. Underestimate, yes. So if someone, so you said it's under construction, the hinge module is there, the squat one's coming up. So is, it, is this a membership thing where someone gets access as it evolves or is it a one-time purchase? Like how, does, how are you doing that? It is, you know, and it did start as a one-time purchase. And then I kind of thought I, I would rather, if I, were to, if I were to do it as a one-time purchase, I want it to be done. Um, right. But then at the same time, like, uh, this is a really big course and I really want to make something that people want to consume. And so if I can make it with the people that are taking it, like based on yes. track, I would love that. And so that um, basically early adopters of a membership, you know, you pay less at the beginning because there's not quite as much but you're still going to get the same thing as the later adopters of the membership. And you're going to get to have direct input in the rest of the course and how the course is delivered and how the course is put together and like yeah. how this mic sounded bad. So maybe use a different one. And so that kind of stuff, like I would love to tweak it with input. I don't want to make this thing in a vacuum and then say, here, I made this. I would much rather right. have group input. 
Yes. And I mean, it's the exact same approach we take, whether it's the footner program or with beam tribe, you know, you got, and, and even with our new footwear project coming up, I mean, that's the whole point of a beta shoe is to let people try it, see what the concepts like, give you feedback. And, you know, the people who support you by purchasing what you offer are the investors that you work for, right? Like they're the people whose feedback is most valuable. They're the yeah. people who you work for when you're trying to improve things right? You're not working to make money for someone else. You're working to give more value to the community who's supporting you. And I think that mindset is very, very powerful. And, you know, it makes it also so that you're always looking for ways to optimize and improve your offering, which I think yeah. is the only way to put something out there is to allow people to understand that like, it's not going to be perfect right away because it needs your feedback to get better. And, yeah. and that's a really, that mindset is extremely powerful and, and something that you can, really only do if you're pretty nimble, right? If you have the mindset of Kaizen, it's like constant incremental improvement. That is, right. that is the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, like you said, so many people create something in a vacuum, they don't get the result that they wanted. And then they're like, oh, it's, it wasn't good. It's like, well, no, you just, you have to look at it as like a, a sculpture that is going to perpetually be refined and, and sharpened uh, instead of like something that you think you know what people want. Um, yeah when in reality you have to find out what they, you have to give them a taste, but then you have to find out what they want or what right. they need rather. So right. yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's been pretty exciting. It's definitely, you know, I respect the people that, that like, like yourself that uh, create content and put it out and educate without the necessary, without, with a self-created structure, right? Like you obviously have this very productive period of time where no one is telling you what to do, but you are telling you what to do and getting it done. Right. Like definitely. I, um, in the place where I'm at now, where I was clearly very service based and one-to-one -one with people now managing my time is very different. So that's definitely a, um, a, a, a different exploration and, and a whole other pile of worms, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's also, um, I really do enjoy the flexibility of it too. Like I can hang out in my yard a lot more. So <laughs> yes. And I really think that the ability to determine your own cadence um, and what I mean by that is like, okay, you know, my, I've sort of developed an understanding of how does my brain actually work? How can I extract the most out of my brain without destroying myself while doing that, without killing my health, without losing joy for what I do? And you start to learn like these, uh, you know, I got the term from Elon Musk, brain cycle. It's like, I know my brain works really well for 90 minutes in terms of deep work, something that I'm immersed in. After 90 minutes, I start to lose the ability to focus. And I think the, what I used to do was just try and push through, right? And the quality of my work would just kind of fade. And then I would, at the end of the day, I would be like, well, okay, well now I'm just going to destroy food or go on the explore feed or, you know, smoke a joint, whatever. But now it's like, I know that if I stay within that 90 minute cycle and then I go for a walk or I go for a paddle or I do a bit of movement for 30 minutes, I have a fresh brain cycle and I can keep doing those. And more importantly, I can do it sustainably. So by, by the end of the day, and there's also something to be said about bookending the start and the end of your day. And I find that some, that was something that was a really big growth curve for me because when you make your own schedule, it's up to you to determine what the workday is. And if you yeah. don't specify what the workday is, if you're doing your, if you're running your own business, there is never an end to what needs to be done. And so you have to self-impose the end. Um, and, and you know, if a lot of it is based on communicating and connecting with people where you're getting messages and emails, 
I've learned that if I just schedule time for email, if I schedule blackout time where I will not touch my phone on a Sunday, I will not be reachable to anyone past this time or before, you know, five to seven is my morning routine, yep. five to six thirty or seven. I, yep. I don't care who you are. Yeah. unless you're my mom and you just broke your hip, I'm not talking to you at that time because that is my time. And if I don't reserve it, it, it basically gets taken by other people. So yeah, I think it's uh, and it's always, it's a perpetual learning process itself, but it's, it is, it is it, different. You know, and I, and I love though, like the way that it has allowed me to, um, to empathize with the people that I'm trying to serve in a mm. different way. Like, yeah, I know movement. And I've applied movement in my life and I've brought myself closer to baseline using movement education. I would like to provide that for other people. And at the same time, what I'm doing now is, um, is I'll just call it rewilding myself. I'm exploring, I'm exploring sleep. I'm exploring, um, you know, natural movement, movement outside, being in mm -hmm. nature, um, uh, uh, and, and old, traditional skills and crafting and like different different other needs to be met that that are clearly needs that humans have that are generally unaddressed like yes now movement is on lockdown so now i'm going to work on these other things and again like you said kaizen gradually improve just a little mm -hmm. bit every day like i think it's um i i like the the insight that that provides. I like, you know, because like you say, we are all on a journey. So just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I'm like at a point, like I'm mm -hmm. still on this journey with other people. And like having that insight um, is, is really nice for empathy to have a good conversation with somebody and hear where they're at. Yeah. And it's, it is also liberating to know that you don't have to do everything right now, right? Oh. Like every single day you have a new 24 hour cycle where you can just crush the day and get stuff done. And right. so you don't have to do that extra little bit today because you got another day tomorrow, you right. know, and it's better to just appreciate the day and enjoy what you're doing than it is to try and get to this arbitrary destination twice as fast at the expense of having a shitty life. It's like, right. I've, I've, I've done that so many times. It's mm -hmm. still boggles me that I continue to do it from time to time. Oh, totally, yes. And it's not about not doing it. It's just detecting when you're doing that because it's really hard when you're in it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and 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 I'd like to you know I commend you on 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 doing this project because it is a I mean it takes courage right to do something where you have no idea you're going to put in all this work you don't know you're at the end of the day you don't know if people are are going to buy it want it uh, you don't know what criticisms you're going to get and so it takes courage yep. to just know like. I believe with my full soul that this is something people need. I've seen it from the people I work with. I know there's an underserved group of people that want to be healthy, but they don't have the tools available to do it. And to have the courage to just do it and also push through the times where it feels like it's getting really hard. Because I think this is one of the things that I, and so, with some of the people I speak to, people just give up too early, I think. Like don't yes. stop until you're forced to stop. And I yes. think people hit one obstacle and they think that that's the end. It's like, that's just, that's walk around that obstacle. Like find it. It's right. the, the yeah. obstacle is the way it's teaching you how to yes. change so that you yes. keep going. Um, right. And I think that's very yeah. powerful. Those, those, never, those never change, you know, those, right. those never ever change. The obstacles are always going to be there. So. Yep. Yeah. And if it was easy, everyone would do it and it wouldn't be as fun. Like we need challenge. Oh. Yeah. Yes, it's very true. <laughs> so what, um, so just to kind of wrap up, um, 
at, at the very end, I, I'm gonna, I wanna find out like where can people go to get information or to sign up or to, to get all these things. But I'd like to ask nerds on these Nerd Talk episodes a couple questions at the end. Um, sure. And one of them is Keystone Habits. So a key, I don't know if that was James Clear uh, that wrote, that talked about Keystone Habits, but. I think so. Yeah, so they're basically these habits that have a multiplier effect on your day that are extremely important and allow all of your other habits to be better or the rest of your you know, day to be better. Do you have any keystone habits that come to mind that you find really powerful? Yeah, I, I have also have a morning routine and, and an evening routine. And, Amazing. Um, so, so the morning routine, uh, wake up, clean up, brush teeth, um, have a smoothie, have some coffee, uh, meditate, do some self-reflective writing, and then move and smudge with sage. Like all of that stuff every morning. Um, and, and I don't care how the rest of the day goes. Like I could be productive or not, but I've met most of my needs already by nine o'clock. Hmm. So that makes me a better parent. Uh, that makes me more productive when I'm working. That makes it more sustainable for the rest of the day if I need to dig into like actual deep work or or the dreaded like digital stuff that I, I actually like for being a digital course creator. I don't really like being on a computer. <laughs> right. Necessary um, evil. <laughs> yes, I know. Totally, totally. And then, and then an evening routine where there's a, there's a kind of a wind down and a data dump and then, and then an early bedtime, like those things, um, you know, I do them often enough that if I, I can, like willingly deviate from them, you know, maybe watch a little mm -hmm. bit of TV at night, maybe cut the self-reflective writing a little bit in the morning. But most of the time, like those are the things like you're talking about bookending your day. Like I definitely bookend, like that's a hard stop and a hard start. Like I don't Amazing. do meeting or anything else before that time. And then I don't do anything after that time. And so that Powerful. I don't really care about the rest of the day. Cause, cause that's, that, that's all of my human needs right there. So. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that the rest of the day is not important, but the most important thing for the rest of the day to be good is those two things, right? And it's like, if, if you nail those two, it's really hard to have a shitty day, barring any like, you know, externalities that you couldn't have predicted. So yeah, I love that. And what, uh, you know, with the morning routine, what kind of smoothie are you usually having? And what is your, um, you know, let's call it weapon of choice when it comes to meditation? How do you do it? Where do you do it? How long? Sure, sure. So um, I the the smoothie is is just uh, fruit and it's frozen fruit, which I have started to appreciate um, the combination of strawberry, banana, and pineapple. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, hell yeah! Widely, widely available, fresh in Minnesota all year round, of course. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, non dairy yogurt and spinach and some chia seeds. Um, cool. So lots, lots of fruits and vegetables, no dairy. That's a power smoothie um, right there. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's, it's like a drink and it's pretty tasty. Maybe a little bit of orange juice for flavor. Um, and then uh, meditation. I recently read Think Like a Monk. And so okay. it's a very simple meditation that, that I, you know, I go for, I'd say, roughly five to ten minutes. Um, just having, having a mantra of uh, calm, balance, stillness, ease. Or calm, hmm. balance, ease, stillness, peace. Just basically a continuous like mantra, focusing, saying that, finishing with an intention, and then moving on to like I do that, and then I do some self some self reflective writing. Like currently, I've been working on. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Peterson. Yep, very. Um, 
He's a psychologist in Canada. Yeah, he has the self-authoring suite. He and some other people have the self-authoring suite. So it's just like way of exploring your past, present, and future through writing. It's kind of cool. So mm. I'm just, I'm running with that right now. And then after that, I'll do something else. Cool. And is, is he doing that with Rebel Wisdom? Does yeah. that name ring a bell? Jordan Peterson? No, this is this is um, a, a kind of a shitty website that, like a shitty WordPress website that, uh, like, whatever. Those are always whatever. the best. Let's be real. The shitty websites are always have more meaningful yeah. content. <laughs> they, they do. They do. Because, like, who has time to make a nice website if you have good stuff on it? <laughs> Dude, I've always felt like that. I'm like, there's an inverse correlation. The better your website is, the better looking it is probably more time has been spent there to trick people to visit instead of like the content that builds a reason to visit. So very cool. Um, Are there any habits, uh, you know, is there one habit right now that you're trying to install? And is there one habit right now that you're trying to uninstall and remove from your day? Like, are are, are there any, any, does anything come to mind when I, when those two things come up? Yeah. So like, I think, getting a little bit more of a productive planning or strategy session into my day, week, month. Okay. Um, I would, I would really like that. Like right now, like I feel like I nailed the, the bookends, like I said. So now I really want to start nailing in the productivity, right? Okay. I really want, cause I don't want to do work for, even six hours a day. Like I would be, I would be fine getting three hours of good work done and then experiencing life for the rest of the day and and seeing how that works for me, maybe six hours, something like that. If I really need to do more work, but figuring out the, the tweaks of like when to email and when to do the books and when to do the social media content. And like, that's what I would really like to work on. So that's a really big thing. And so I'm, I'm identifying now, like, um, what the next big part of that is, like what that next cool. big shift is. But I, I imagine it'll be like a Sunday planning session where where I plan my week out on the Sunday or I plan at least the day ahead uh, in the data dump or something along those lines. So I don't have to spend time during the day thinking about what I'm going to do during the day. I'd rather have that information already taken care of. And yeah. then... Um, And then on the same note, like, I feel like the overall habit of distractibility, you know, that massive journey, like, that's the one I'm on. Like, I want to live more present. And that's, that's the things I'm trying to, let's, let's call it uninstalling the distractibility of like, uh, go with my phone when I'm bored or when I'm not doing anything else, right? Take my phone out Mm -hmm. of my pocket and look at it. Maybe I could just breathe for five minutes instead and see how that goes it'll probably be fine and it probably like i won't miss anything that's for sure right <laughs> and, right well welcome welcome to the global struggle right now because there's right. billions of dollars spent to work yeah. on getting really good at distracting us so uh, there's a book called yeah. indistractable by near Ayal, and it's a really potent book i i found that one really good at contextualizing uh you know why distraction is so easy and also uh he makes a distinction which i find really helpful distraction versus and you know i used to think that the opposite of distraction is focus but the way Mm. he frames it is the opposite of distraction is traction right traction as in moving forward like getting a good grasp on the ground and moving forward and distraction is the opposite so he talks about how traction is going in the direction of something you set out to do distraction is moving you away from accomplishing something you want to do and and one of the biggest things that i took away from that is that 
in order to stave off distraction, you first have to define traction. And I think that comes back to your outline the day. Cause I do that now the night before I will write down what I'm doing the next day, or at least the biggest priorities. Like these are the non-negotiable things I need to get done. These are things I'd like to get done. If I have extra, this is what I'd love to get done. And usually that last category gets ported over to the next day. Um, right. But when you define traction, it's really easy. And, and, yeah. and especially I use a time block calendar. So it's really easy to know when I'm distracted because I automatically have a definition of what traction is. And if I'm not doing that, I'm getting distracted. So, sure. yeah. Sure. I love that. I love that. And that's, that's so, um, I don't know. It's just so, there's so much elegance to that. Like, right. Because really just defining a goal, right? Like mm -hmm. so it's really, it's really just like many of us. And I, and I feel like this is like, like the distractibility, but like the health problem and like the fact that um, people are so focused on so many different things. I like everything's getting lost and no one has goals and no one has moorings. And right. I, I it's like, fuzzy. Defining goals is so incredibly important. Like it's definitely something that like I yeah. tried to do with my patients all the time. And then clearly, you know, they clearly identify their goals and then clearly um, work with them to make sure that they're continuing to meet those goals if they're right. actually that important to them. So yeah, if you want to hit a target, you need to have a target. I think yes. a lot of people are trying to hit what they think of as targets, but they don't even know what the actual target is, right? Oh, I want to be healthy. People always say this. I love doing this now. I'd like, what, what's your goal? What do you want? I want to be healthy. What, is, what does health mean to you? And then there's just crickets. And it's like, you want to be yes. something you don't even yes. know what that something is. We need to define that so that you actually have an idea of how to get there. And, you know, I also should say that I schedule in things in my day that would be considered distraction. So I will put 30 minute blocks of just go wild on social media and doing that during that time is actually not being distracted because it's doing what I set out to do. So it's kind of like a little hack to let me still, you know, have an outlet for that, but have it intentionally when I want to do it instead of when I get hijacked. So totally, totally. Cool, man. All right. Well, let's talk, maybe let, let people know how they can find you and what you're doing in this new project. And then, uh, and then we'll close this, this sucker out. Okay. So I'm on Instagram, uh, at be surefooted. So that's, that's where I'm, uh, that's my own life experiment. And then, and then a little bit of like, um, you know, that's where I do the messaging for never too late, which is the program that we're talking about today. And so that's be surefooted.com slash never too late and that's okay. one word um that's the landing page for the course that's where you'll get more information or you'll get the ability to sign up for the pre-sale list uh, or the the uh get more information list and then um and then we'll stay in touch that way cool so, yeah. sounds good man well thank you for you know putting in the energy and the time and the brain power to creating something you know, to put it out there in the world and get people value. Thank you for being part of the foot nerd program for being a badass uh, foot nerd. I really, you know, I, I appreciate you immensely. I appreciate all the foot nerds. Cause like I said, without people wanting to actually be part of that community, there is no yeah. such community. It's a community of one and that is not a community. Um, nope. So yeah, man, thank you for everything. People can go there, find out the scoop on never too late. It sounds like an awesome project. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I hope that, uh, I hope that your morning went well and I hope the rest of your day is awesome. So thanks again. And for anyone listening, you know, we hope that that gave you guys some value in terms of what we talked about. Uh, check out never too late. 
Um, let Andy know how you like it, help him evolve it and make it amazing. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Ciao. Thanks a lot. No worries.